Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, including new ideas and practices that can take your health to the next level. I also cover basic health issues, not healthcare issues, because modern healthcare is largely a failure, a failure to provide genuine health. So I'm going to discuss basic issues such as natural ways to reverse type 2 diabetes, uh, how to lose weight without limiting calories, why cholesterol is a waste of your time and money, how to reverse common conditions such as fatty liver, and many other topics all designed to empower you in health. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of The Wheat Belly and Undoctored Books. In this episode of Defiant Health, let's answer the question, does wheat cause heart disease? Now, by heart disease, I'm referring to coronary disease. That's the process blockages in the coronary arteries that leads to heart attack, angina, that prompts implantation of things like stents or atherectomy or balloon angioplasty or bypass with bypass surgery. So this is a very serious disease. It remains the number one killer of men and women in the U.S., certainly in much of the world. So it's a very common condition and it can be a very dangerous condition. Now, just for simplicity and brevity, when I say wheat, I really mean wheat and all other grains. And the reason for that is wheat, of course, is a grain. It's the most dominant grain in most people's diets. But other grains, such as barley, rye, millet, sorghum, even rice, all share many properties. And so when I talk about the components and the effects of wheat, I'm really referring to all grains. To understand how wheat causes heart disease, we start by rejecting this idea that cholesterol causes heart disease. Now, this gets a little bit complicated, so I refer you to my Wheat Belly blog and all my books, my Wheat Belly books, Wheat Belly Total Health, and my Undoctored book, and it explains these issues in greater detail. But uh, let me simplify by saying that years ago, in the 1950s and 1960s, there were two researchers at the NIH, National Institutes of Health, Dr. William Fredrickson and Dr. William Friedewald. They were trying to understand the various fractions of particles in the clear part of blood, that is the plasma part of blood, with the red blood cells removed. They wanted to understand how to characterize and measure these particles, because they felt that some of these fractions led to heart disease. Well, it's difficult. You can imagine, it's very difficult, it's, it's complicated, it's laborious to try to separate these fractions of particles in the bloodstream. So they devised an indirect method. They measured the cholesterol in the various fractions of blood, in the high-density fraction, in the low-density fraction, in the very low-density fraction. And it gave a very crude and indirect way to quantify the lipoproteins. When they added all the cholesterol and all those fractions up, that gave them total cholesterol. So that very crude and indirect way of quantifying the lipoprotein in the, in the bloodstream has persisted to this day, even though for the past 30 years, you and I have been able to directly measure the lipoproteins. That science has advanced considerably since the 1950s and 60s, and you can get this done quite readily. In fact, I've been testing lipoproteins, not cholesterol, for over 25 years once you see the lipoproteins in your bloodstream, everything starts to make sense. And you, you see very quickly that saturated fat, total fat have nothing to do with heart disease. Cholesterol has nothing to do with heart disease. But heart disease has everything to do with the kinds of particles that occur in the bloodstream. 
Now, this is not to say that all the information in a cholesterol panel is useless. Recall that there are four basic values in a cholesterol panel, a total cholesterol, an LDL cholesterol, an HDL cholesterol, and a triglyceride. By the way, you may notice that the LDL cholesterol almost always has, in parentheses, calculated. And that's because Friedewald calculation that came from those NIH researchers, that was a very crude calculation devised to guesstimate how much uh, LDL lipoproteins there were. But it is deeply flawed, especially if you change diet, because for the equation to calculate LDL cholesterol to remain valid, you have to assume a number of things, such as everybody eats the same diet, nobody's a diabetic, nobody has high triglycerides. There are all kinds of assumptions built in to make that equation work. But as you can imagine, this is not true. Most will change their diet in various ways. Cut the fat, cut their carbohydrates. Many people are overweight. Many people do have high triglyceride. LDL cholesterol should have been discarded decades ago. It is a useless, inaccurate, wildly inaccurate value. It confers no information on your cardiovascular risk. Likewise, total cholesterol, because total cholesterol includes HDL cholesterol. HDL cholesterol is good. So if you do something really good in your life, like that raises HDL, maybe you lose a bunch of weight, and HDL was, maybe it started at 27, but then over time, the next one or two years, HDL rebounds and goes way up, 50, 70, 80, 90. So HDL can be good, but if that HDL goes, let's say from 30 to 90, a rise of 60, it raises total cholesterol by 60 also. You can see how misleading total cholesterol can be. But despite all that, there are two measures on a standard cholesterol pound that are helpful. The HDL cholesterol, that is helpful. HDL cholesterol is a very useful index of overall metabolic health. It incorporates such things as insulin resistance, inflammation, uh, blood sugar responses, etc. So having a high HDL is very good. We aim for 60 milligrams per deciliter or higher. The other useful measure in a cholesterol panel is the triglycerides. Triglycerides, like HDL, is a very useful metabolic marker. We aim for 60 milligrams per deciliter or less. We do not accept the 150 milligrams per deciliter is often quoted by laboratories because at a level of triglycerides of, say, 140 or 130, which most people would say is okay, you still have flagrant abnormalities caused by other particles that triglycerides cause. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So let's reject this idea that the ridiculous numbers on a cholesterol panel, especially total cholesterol and the calculated LDL cholesterol, are useful for identifying heart disease risk. They are near useless for identifying cardiovascular risk. But the HDL and triglycerides, the two values most ignored, by the way, do indeed have some useful information. So how can wheat consumption in a bagel, two slices of bread on a sandwich, pasta, donuts, how can these foods cause heart disease? Let's go by the components in wheat. Wheat has several components that are very unhealthy for humans to consume. I'd like to welcome Defiant Health's newest sponsor, Paleo Valley, makers of absolutely delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. You know that we're very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, or other additives that have potential adverse health effects. You won't find any such ingredients in the Paleo Valley products. And all Paleo Valley products deserve the Defiant Health stamp of approval because they contain no gluten, no grains, soy, or added sugar. 
In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they are truly irresistibly delicious. When I first tasted their grass-fed beef sticks, I was taken by surprise at how delicious they were. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in your lifestyle. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. I especially love the jalapeno-flavored sticks as they add to your intake of capsaicin that has positive effects on your microbiome, as does the garlic in the garlic summer sausage. And of course, all their products are gluten-free. Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are available in five varieties, original, jalapeno, summer sausage, garlic summer sausage, and teriyaki. They also offer two flavors of pasture-raised turkey sticks, original and cranberry orange. But I've got to admit, my favorites are the grass-fed beef sticks. Paleo Valley also has superfood bars that come in dark chocolate chip and apple cinnamon, and they've recently added lemon meringue. I've tried them all, and I've found them irresistible. And they're low-carb, of course, with 8 grams net carbs per bar, well below the limits that I advise for health and weight management. Shipping is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the coupon code DEFIANT, not case-sensitive, for a 15% discount for all Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. The first component is amylopectin A. Amylopectin A is a unique form of carbohydrate that is highly digestible in human saliva and in the stomach. And that's because in saliva and in the stomach, we have an, an enzyme called amylase. And it's extremely effective and fast in digesting amylopectin A down to sugar molecules. And so if you just put a piece of bread in your mouth, for instance, chewed it, and track your blood sugar, you would see blood sugar go up substantially almost immediately. So amylopectin A is one of the problematic components of wheat. So when you consume the amylopectin A of wheat, one of the things that happens is that your liver absorbs these sugars and converts it to triglycerides. So amylopectin A of wheat gets the liver, liver converts it to triglycerides by a process called de novo lipogenesis. I know it's a mouthful, but all that means is making fats out of, in this case, sugars. Well, the liver releases those triglycerides actually as particles called very low-density lipoproteins, or VLDL. VLDL particles interact with LDL particles, and that's the process that leads to small LDL. I know this is a bit complicated, but so bear with me. So the VLDL particles leads to formation of small LDL particles. That's the culprit. Small LDL particles are unusually adherent to the walls of arteries. Once they gain entry into the walls of arteries, and they're smaller, so they're more capable of getting inside, once they're in, they're more likely to promote oxidation and are much more inflammatory. Small LDL particles also last about five to seven days in the bloodstream. Normal large LDL particles persist for only 24 hours. So if you consume a sandwich, bagel, or other wheat-containing product, you form a ton of small LDL particles that last for about a week. So even eat, eating wheat once a week gives you increased cardiovascular risk via small LDL. Let me run through that again because I know it's a bit confusing. 
So if you eat the amylopectin A, if you eat something containing the amylopectin A of wheat, you digest it to sugars rapidly. Your liver converts those sugars to triglycerides via the process of de novo lipogenesis. Triglycerides enter the bloodstream as VLDL particles that in turn interact with LDL particles, making small LDL particles that are a very high-risk particle for causing coronary disease. When you consume the amylopectin A, there's another phenomenon in the bloodstream. Because that process of de novo lipogenesis takes some time, it takes a few hours for that process to proceed. So if you were tracking the digestive breakdown products in the bloodstream, you would see that initially there's some rise in digestive breakdown products from fat digestion. But then several hours later, there's a big surge in digestive breakdown products. That's the flood of VLDL particles, and that's huge. VLDL particles themselves, while they contribute to formation of small LDL, are also a potent cause for coronary disease. I know no one ever talks about this. Your doctor probably never even mentioned it, but VLDL particles are a very potent cause for coronary disease because they enter the arterial wall also. Now, another reason why amylopectin A is a flagrant cause or contributor to coronary disease, to heart disease, is that it raises blood sugar. And when you raise blood sugar repetitively, if you eat a bowl of pasta, for instance, your blood sugar goes way high and stays up high for an extended period of several hours. Well, that process leads to insulin resistance. That is, muscle, heart, brain, liver don't respond to the insulin after a while. Your pancreas compensates by increasing insulin. And then around and around in a vicious cycle, more insulin, more insulin resistance, more insulin, more insulin resistance. This leads to weight gain, especially around the waist, visceral fat. And when you gain visceral fat, you have inflammation because visceral fat is highly inflamed and it releases many inflammation mediators into the bloodstream. So the amylopectin A begins a process that leads to hot rise in blood sugar, increased insulin resistance, visceral fat accumulation, and inflammation. Insulin resistance and inflammation are flagrant contributors to heart disease. There's more. There's a protein. You may recall, if you've been listening to my podcast or you've been reading my Wheat Belly blog or any of my books, you already know that the proteins in wheat and grains are not very digestible for humans. Amylopectin A, the carbohydrate, is very digestible, but the proteins in wheat and related grains are very poorly digested by humans. Humans don't have the enzymes to break down the proteins in wheat and grains. One of the proteins is gliadin. And gliadin is the protein that, when broken down to peptides, four or five amino acids long, gain entry into the brain and stimulate the opioid receptors and stimulate appetite. But for the purposes of heart disease, gliadin also increases the permeability of the intestinal wall, of the gastrointestinal wall. That allows breakdown products of bacteria that dwell in your GI tract, especially particles like lipopolysaccharide or LPS, enters the bloodstream and causes body-wide inflammation, including inflammation in the coronary arteries. So let me say that once again, because I know it's a complicated path. Consumption of the gliadin protein of wheat increases intestinal permeability that allows bacterial breakdown products to gain entry into the bloodstream, a process called endotoxemia that is highly inflammatory, including inflaming the coronary arteries. So yet another reason how Wheat has components that cause heart disease. Another component is wheat germ agglutinin. 
Wheat germagglutinin is completely indigestible by humans. We don't have the enzymes at all to break this down. So it goes into the mouth as a bagel or pretzel or whatever, comes out the other end into the toilet undigested. But as it passes through the 30 feet of gastrointestinal tract, it is a very potent bowel toxin and it therefore adds to such effects as increased intestinal permeability. A little bit of wheat germagglutinin gains entry into the bloodstream. We know this because many people have antibodies against wheat germagglutinin. And when that happens, wheat germagglutinin is also very inflammatory. And lastly, there's something called phytates in wheat and grains. And phytates have been enriched by farmers and by uh, agricultural scientists because phytates are an effective pest-resistant compound. Uh, so the farmer does not want his wheat plants to be eaten by pests or fungal infections. So they select strains enriched in phytates. The problem is that phytates also bind minerals. But the one that's relevant to coronary disease is that phytates bind most magnesium in your diet. So if you got magnesium because you ate some flaxseed or nuts that were rich in magnesium, if you included something that contained the phytates from wheat and grains, it binds most of that magnesium and you pass it out into the toilet. That's a problem for cardiovascular risk because lack of magnesium leads to arteries that are more constricted, uh, higher blood pressure and worse insulin resistance. So getting magnesium is an advantage. Not consuming wheat and grain phytates and allowing your body to absorb magnesium is yet another advantage. You know, the real tragedy of having everybody focus on cholesterol and saturated fat and cholesterol-reducing drugs uh, to address heart disease risk, the real tragedy is that it took everybody's attention off the real causes of coronary disease, like small LDL particles, VLDL particles, insulin resistance from amylopectin A, increased intestinal permeability from gliadin, and the resultant endotoxemia. Everyone's focused on cholesterol and saturated fat when all these real causes of coronary disease go unaddressed, unrecognized, unidentified. So there you have it. Wheat and related grains contain numerous components that lead to heart disease. So, But once you understand that, you have the key to magnificent reduction in cardiovascular risk. Eat no wheat, grains, and of course sugars. Sugars mimic some of the effects of grains, so we also eliminate sugar. So elimination of wheat, grains, and sugars. If you were to track lipoproteins, what would you see? you would see a dramatic reduction in small LDL particles. A typical response would be something like 1,800 nanomoles per liter, particle count per volume, dropping to zero or some other very low number. It's not 10% better, 20% better. It's typically dramatically better. You would see triglycerides drop, typically to 60 milligrams per deciliter or less. You would see VLDL particles drop to the floor. You'll see HDL rise over time, and we typically see people who maybe even start at low values like 35 go to 60, 70, 80, 90, or even higher HDL. Recall that HDL and triglycerides are wonderful measures of metabolic health. So if HDL is above 60 milligrams per deciliter and triglycerides are below 60 milligrams per deciliter, you're doing great. Those are the kinds of changes you see when you eliminate wheat, grains, and sugars. And by the way, if you compare the results you obtain by this sort of lifestyle compared to what you achieve with a statin cholesterol drug, you would see that a statin cholesterol drug is a poor excuse 
for something that reduces cardiovascular risk. It does make some positive changes in lipoproteins, but not of the kind of magnitude we see with this diet. Now, go even further if you want even better results and address the factors in modern life that are lacking. And when they, they're lacking, they amplify insulin resistance and inflammation, those two familiar processes that also lead to coronary disease. How do you do that? Well, replace vitamin D, right? Because we don't spend enough time in the sun or we wear clothes or we're over age 40 and have lost much of the ability to activate vitamin D in the skin. Supplement magnesium because we drink filtered water. Even if you eliminate the phytates of grains, you still need more magnesium to, to make up for the magnesium you're not getting in your drinking water. We replace iodine because most of us do not live coastally and get iodine from the ocean in our food. And we supplement omega-3 fatty acids, fish oil, because most of us don't eat brains. And if you overconsume seafood or shellfish, you get to mercury toxicity, cadmium toxicity. So these are the components of my programs of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored programs. If you're interested, I invite you to uh, read one of the latest books, which is Wheat Belly Revised and Expanded Edition that has the entire program. You can also join my Wheat Belly 10-Day Grain Detox process where we go through the program once a month as a group. Uh, so I encourage you to read the Wheat Belly 10-Day Grain Detox book first and then join our private Facebook page. And to learn how to do that, go to the Wheat Belly blog and look for the Wheat Belly 10-Day Grain Detox Challenge. That's the easiest way to get up and running. If you want to know the science and the rationale, that's in books like Wheat Belly Total Health and the more recent Undoctored book as well as Wheat Belly Revised and Expanded Edition that has the entire program. All right, thanks for listening. 